Hello and welcome to episode 143 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by my co-host, Bryson. Unfortunately, we don't have Jacob with us today, but we still got an incredible weekend of Blue Jays baseball to talk about. What a homestand. Um, you know, when you when you pretty much put it all together now at the end, the Jays only lose twice. And it was just a, pretty much all week and throughout this entire weekend, it was pretty pretty incredible to watch the Blue, Blue Jays baseball. And I think all of us can agree that the game on Sunday was the, a perfect way to end it. And I think that, um, you know, just the excitement in the building and how important that game was to the Jays, um, it's just something that we haven't really seen this year because of all the circumstances. But what a win over the Red Sox as well, including yesterday. I'm singling out yesterday because that was pretty much one of, or if not, the most exciting game of the year thus far. It definitely was, and it, it seems like a crowning moment on this season so far, a defining moment of George Springer's tenure as a Blue Jay, a defining moment of this you know generation and era of Blue Jays baseball for that you know three-run home run. You're down 7-2. You claw your way all the way back. You do it in part thanks to a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. home run earlier in the game, and then Springer comes out. He has a clutch home run. There's two outs in that inning. It's like do or die at that point. That's the Blue Jays really their last opportunity to do some damage against the Red Sox. And they do. Um, And, you know, I said, I think it was a week ago when we were talking about the Kansas City series, when I said it doesn't get much better than this. um, I was wrong. (laughs) It does get better than um, what we saw in that series and what we saw in the Cleveland series, because I mean, the Blue Jays are rolling. Like you said, they only lose two games on this homestand. They're 9-2 and on this homestand. If you go back to the game before that, that they won before they came to Toronto, they are 10-2 and over their last 12 games. They're making up ground in the wild card race, although not as much as we would like with the Yankees. They keep winning. Um, the Athletics, they keep winning, unfortunately, but the Blue Jays make up tons of ground. On Boston, they are three games back. Boston now compared to what they were, 10 and a half back. I don't think it was July 26th. So just in the span of, you know, two weeks, the Blue Jays have made up so much ground on Boston. They hope to do the same against other division rivals. Um, It feels like this series, as much as it is, you know, middle of August, if you're treating games like this, if games in the middle of August are must-win games, the odds of you making the postseason are not great, but it felt like that game on Monday or Sunday, excuse me, was a must-win game. Even if it wasn't for the postseason odds, even if it wasn't for the playoff race, you had to win that game for the very least um, momentum purposes. You can't go off of this homestand, this incredible homestand where you go nine and two. You can't finish at eight and three. Yes, that's good. That's still a success, but you can't, you know, split that series against the Red Sox. I, I. I think it's just a morale thing. It's as much as we talk about moral victories um, or, or uh, that would have been a moral loss. If the Blue Jays lost that game, it it would have, I think, crushed the momentum of this team and it would have taken a lot to get it back. But you win that game, you go out, you're heading out west with a lot of momentum on your side. You're facing some easier competitors in the Angels and then they face the Mariners. Um, it's a good time to be a Blue Jay fan and that win on Sunday was huge. Yeah, right before the series, I believe when all three of us were doing our prediction, um, you know, I, I, I remember saying they need three out of four, and I think everyone understood they need three out of four. Two out of two in terms of a split, the worst case scenario, I think we would have taken it. However, like you said, like, I wouldn't be, it, it, 
it would be tough to kind of explain how it would have felt if they lost because you wouldn't be bummed about it. You would just be disappointed because of the way this homestand has gone. Obviously, it still have been, would have been successful. They would have only lost three games then. But everyone knew it's the last game of the season against the Red Sox. You need to make up ground. And by doing that, you need to beat them. And you had to take at least three out of four to do that. And the, the funny thing is they could have easily swept this series as well. But three out of four, I will take. And on paper as well, this just seemed like a matchup that the Jays should have won in terms of Hunjin Ryu going up on the mound um, against uh, Garrett Richards, who Garrett, and Garrett Richards has pitched so many times this season against the Jays. So, you know, it didn't start off good. Like we know, it was pretty much a four-hour game. It was a long game, and it was really frustrating pretty much for the bulk of it until, until the, I would say, the seventh inning that um, kind of turned around. So, you know, for people who stuck around for the game, I'm sure not everyone did, it just... It wasn't going well. You know, the Jays couldn't hit. Hunjin Ryu was pretty much getting hit on everything. He gave up 10 hits. I think they were. I think it's his shortest start as a Blue Jay when healthy. I believe that's what it was, that stat that came out yesterday. So probably one of his worst starts as a Blue Jay came yesterday. And it was pretty much at one of the worst possible times because everyone knew how important this game was against the Red Sox. So that happens, and it kind of just feels like, you know, the, the game's done. And knowing this team scoring past the seventh run, I remember saying it to you guys, the run differential uh, from the seventh inning and beyond, it was negative. And it was, I, be- I believe it was 25th in the league. And we haven't seen that this year. And we pretty much said they need to start scoring runs later in games. It's something that Charlie Montoya even acknowledged and something that the Jays had to address. Now, I just, you know, I want to thank Buffalo and Dunedin for everything as well. We know that for in terms of them being home, but... If this game's in Buffalo or Dunedin, I don't. We I think we. It's pretty safe to say that the Jays don't come back and win this game because the crowd at Rogers Center uh, started coming alive in the seventh inning, and when everything was happening, including the George Springer home run, the building was electric. It, it went from fifteen thousand again to feeling like fifty thousand was in the, st- the the stands. The momentum, you know, how good that must have felt for the players to have that around them and we keep talking about it but it is important and that's one of the best things that's happened to this team this year as well as coming home you know I think coming back and I think you know the fans at Rogers Center deserve a little bit of an assist uh, for yesterday so you have the comeback starting in the seventh inning first of all the worst case scenario like you said they were down 7-2 and it just there was no signs of any life from this team and until the fifth when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. hit a home run kind of Coming out of the slump, you know, he had a couple hits yesterday, so I think a lot of people were kind of a little bit relieved with that. And then it's 8-4 heading into the seventh inning, and we know what happens there. Marcus Simeon gets them back into it with a sack fly. Teoscar Hernandez scores another run with a uh, single. And pretty much with that, George Springer comes up in the eighth inning, and we know that he's been one of the people that's had one of the best homestands as well in terms of stats, in terms of post-All-Star break. He comes up, hits a go-ahead three-run home run, pretty much explaining why this team spent $150 million on him. And it's well spent now. And all of this lost time that he had, the way he's playing right now, he's making up for it for me. And, you know, the only thing that you can think about as a downfall is, you know, just all the time they missed and how much they could have used him earlier on in the season. But the way they're playing now, the way George Springer's playing now, he's making up for the lost time. And it's important for this team. It's a, it's a massive energy boost for this team going back to when he was activated. And look at what happened yesterday. The building pretty much flew off. The Jays were up by one run in the ninth inning. And here's the other thing. We talk about them not scoring runs later in games. How about how calm Jordan Romano was coming out in the ninth inning closing things out? Because that's another thing where we haven't seen a lot of successful outcomes in terms of the bullpen 
having a one-run game or one-run lead in the ninth inning. But Jordan Romano came out. There were really no issues at all. He went through right through the side. He earns his 10th save of the season. Someone who's also been struggling uh, the past couple of days. We spoke about him a couple of days ago. If Adam Simber should be the closer, I think Adam Simber pitching in the Saturday game was kind of the reason why Romano came out in the Sunday game. Probably a little bit of, you know, just managing workload. But however, Romano comes out and he shuts the door on the Red Sox. A massive win. And, you know, you, you go back to Friday's game, which was successful. You go back to the first game of Saturday's doubleheader that was successful. That second game of the doubleheader, I still think the Jays could have won. But the bats were cold that game. And I think it all makes up for it after what we saw on Sunday. So massive, massive win. And just a lot of things that we haven't seen this year in terms of scoring late. Um, the bullpen not blowing it late. And it, there was actually a pretty incredible stat that Mike Pachillo came out with this morning. And, you know, it just everyone knows how the centerpiece of this Jays team this year has been the offense, the run differential, and, uh, you know, the AL's best record since going back to uh, June 19th. I believe that's what it was in terms of, and, yeah, sorry, June 19th. And the stat was that every month as the season's gone on, I don't know if you've seen this yet, Mark, but the Blue Jays are outscoring their team or outscoring opponents by more every month. In other words, the offense is getting better each month. And it's a pretty steady increase going back to uh, what was going on in April. I believe it was less than one run per game. Um, I think it was just above you know, 0.5. May, it creeps up to one. June, it goes over one. July, we're at a run and a half. August, all of a sudden, it skyrockets to almost um, two and a quarter. It's insane how much it's jumped each month. And it's pretty much showing that the offense is getting better each month. And now... The pitching has also been addressed, and all of a sudden, the starting rotation has become a centerpiece and a strength on this team, even though it didn't really factor in yesterday. Um, you know, it's pretty incredible to see how this team's coming together in the later months because we both know, and everyone can agree with this, that this is a much different and much better team than what we saw a few months ago. Yeah, we always kind of knew the pen potential of this team was really high. Um, I think we all saw, you know, with people like Marcus Simeon, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, with the seasons that guys like Robbie Ray, um, Alec Manoa, with the performances they're putting up, we knew this team had the potential to do something like this. It just was never coming together in the early months. And it always seemed like, you know, they would finally get a run going. They'd finally pick up some momentum against teams like the Rangers, against teams like Cleveland, like Kansas City, Um they would finally get something going and then they would run into the Red Sox. They would run into the Tampa Bay Rays. They would run into, um, I don't know, the White Sox. I think they had a bad series against them at one point. Like they always seem to be running into these good teams and screwing up. But now we're seeing that, you know, the potential of this team pay off. Like you said, the, the, I, I hadn't heard that stat, but the run differential increasing every single month. That's just, uh, that's wild. Um, and it really shows how much of a sleeping giant the Blue Jays were. And, you know, this the giant has awoken at this point in the season. Um, what we're seeing now is the full potential of the Blue Jays. And, you know, who knows where it carries them. I think a lot of people, myself included, are now very optimistic about the postseason, um, as we should be. You know, the Blue Jays now in the American League East, they have the second highest playoff odds out of all the teams in the AL East. They're higher than the Red Sox. They're higher than the Yankees. I think it's 67% to make the postseason or something like that. It's a 7% increase from yesterday alone, just based off that one win against the Red Sox. So some huge, huge games and um, some huge gains that the Blue Jays made. Um, but that being said, I don't think this series was perfect. You know, there'll always be stuff to nitpick on and, um, 
I think there was plenty of it in yesterday's game on Sunday. I mean, you mentioned Hinjun and Ryu. Of course, that's a concern. Um, I think what we're seeing from him now indicates that he's, you know, as much as we maybe wanted to call him the ace earlier in the season, he's no longer the ace of this rotation. Um, and that's through no fault of his own, really. Yes, his performance has declined a little bit, but you also got out and and got guys like Jose Burrios, guys like Robbie Ray, Alec Mano coming up and being exactly who you want him to be. Um, I think, for better or for worse, Ryu is now the number three or number four starter in the rotation. Just because of what we saw from him yesterday. Yes, most of the time he's going to be great, but the fact that he does go out and give you starts like he did yesterday every once in a while indicates that he's no longer what he was. Um, he's not horrible. He's still an asset for the Blue Jays. The $20 million they're spending on him every year is still a good investment. It just happens that he's not going to be as great as he was, and I think that's fine. Um, it's a price you pay for getting free agents, and you have enough of a rotation to back him up and still go out there and win every day. But that's one of the bad things you have to take away from this series is just that, you know, if you're in a two-game or like we saw last year, a three-game wildcard series, you're not going to have Ryu starting one of those games at this point, I don't think. I think it would be Alec Manoa, Robbie Ray, and Jose Barrios. Um, Again, nothing against him. That's just part of the realities of this team now. Um, another thing from yesterday's game was the base running. Um, I think we saw oh. it, it paid off in dividends. It, it paid off amazingly in some of those later innings when they were stealing bases. And, you know, um, I think it was Ottavino on the mound who threw the ball away a couple times to, you know, first. And the Blue Jays advanced a couple times. But we also saw it, you know, it cost them. There was a ground ball to the left side of the infield that um, Teoscar Hernandez just took off on and he got thrown out trying to advance to third. Um, we saw the play where Corey Dickerson got picked off. Uh, part of me wants to say that that's bound to happen when you're being aggressive. Like we can commend them all we want for them being aggressive, but being aggressive comes with risks and that was part of the risks and they ran themselves out of a situation there. But part of me also wants to say that can't happen. Like you can't afford an inning like that when you are in a race that is as close as it is right now. And if George Springer didn't hit that home run, we would be harping on that inning endlessly for the reason the Blue Jays lost. And even going back to earlier in that game, there were defensive miscues, um, you know, balls that hit just off someone's glove. Like there was a liner down to Vladdy that he just missed. There was a ground ball up the middle, I think, that Simeon just missed. Um, So those type of plays are things that, you know, if the Blue Jays had lost, we would be beating ourselves up over and Again, thankfully, they didn't lose. We don't really have to dwell on those things, but it just shows that as exciting as this team could be, there's still some things we got to work on and some problems that you got to focus on. But of course, the optimistic side of us is going to win out after a series like this. Yeah, and just the fact of where, where the game was when all these base running miscues were happening, it just it got even more frustrating. And I remember, um, I believe it was the Dickerson one. I was, uh, that was pretty, fr- I was probably one of the, times this season where I've been most frustrated with this team, just knowing how important the series was. And when that happened, I just like, and that, that was that inning too. The Jays lost two base runners. Like you said, in the same inning, they lose two base runners. And in that situation, maybe they tied the game. Who knows how that would have ended off if both runners stayed on the, the base, but the one with Dickerson at the end of the inning, it was just another mood killer. And when you look at it, um, you can, you know, go back and dwell on it now and maybe laugh about it. But yeah, there's still the odd time. There are some base running miscues with this team, and we've seen it a few times this year where they've done that, and it's always been a little bit of a concern, but 
you just hope that it's you know it's not something that's consistently happening. But it definitely the first time in a while they made uh, a mistake big, let big or that big, and it was multiple times within a game. So you have that, like you said, you have Hunter Ryu who um, just I believe again it was one of the worst starts of his Jays tenure yesterday. And a lot of people were pointing out too, Mark, and I think I, you know, can start agreeing with it now is, you know, just Ryu's performance in big moments uh, this year, or even just overall, even going back to last year, because he did start um, the one of the playoff games against the Rays. Uh, he wasn't good then, and he wasn't good yesterday when the Jays needed him most against Boston. It is it is tough to see, um, you know, where he fits in closer to the playoffs in terms of who starts a potential wildcard game, you know, who's starting game one of the uh, possible ALDS or something like that. And, you know, right now it definitely isn't him. Uh, there's something that could probably, maybe it changes, but right now you have four or three other starters uh, set in stone of who you'd probably send out before him right now. And um, it is a little disappointing just because of yesterday as well, of just how much he got hit around. And I think, you know, it was just because of how good the matchup looked on paper. It was just very underwhelming. And, um, you know, we've, we've talked about it this year in terms of him declining. Is it true? Um, and the numbers have shown that it is true, but you know, in terms of where he fits in closer to a potential playoff and that's yet to, or that's something that has yet to be seen or yet to be determined. But, you know, I think that obviously the Jays are going to take it one game at a time and try and get in that wildcard spot. So there's that, and there's base running miscues in terms of kind of things that you can dwell on now and kind of, you know, like you said, nitpick at right now. But if the Jays lose that game, uh, we'd be all over this right now for sure. We would have been all over. The other thing that I don't think we've even mentioned yet, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it as well, was um, a lot of people were upset. Well, I should say it was pretty divided as per usual of how the bullpen was handled. I'm sure you saw this a little bit now of when Hunjin Ryu was pulled. You go with Patrick Murphy and then you go with Kirby Sneed right after Hunjin Ryu uh, goes three and two thirds. Not a lot of people were happy with those guys coming in the game yesterday. I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. I personally don't blame Charlie Montoyo for this. Again, I sound like a broken record. Um, you know, a lot of people are wondering in a game like this of how important it is, why are you guys sending out, you know, people that were just recalled from AAA? Why are your best relievers not going out? And it was pretty divided again. But, you know, when you think about it, it all go- it all goes back to 100 New Year's struggling. And, you know, the Jays definitely didn't anticipate him going less than four innings. And I think that really took a, a hit of pretty much how this game started off for them. And it really did after we know how the score was, it was seven, two at one point. And then of course it was eight, um, four at one point. It just, it kept getting worse for the Jays. And a lot of people were questioning the bullpen management from there. But of course, a lot of people are now quiet about how it ended off in terms of Rafael Dolis coming out and Jordan Romano coming out and Rafael Dolis. I just want to say as well, uh, he had a pretty impressive homestand coming off the mound. Maybe that's something that he can kind of improve on from now, but I just wanted to point out that as much as we've had a or given him a hard time this year and he has struggled at times, he did seem comfortable this homestand. So I want to give him uh, a shout out for that. But yeah, I just a lot of things you can dwell at now, but I'm not going to kind of uh, let it affect anything after what we saw yesterday. So just going to kind of move onward and upward and hope that these mistakes, because there were a lot of them, don't kind of resurface near the end of the year or in a possible playoff game down the line. I can understand some of the criticism of not of of bringing in someone like Patrick Murphy in that situation. Kirby's need like you know whatever. Like it's a clean inning when he was coming in. I think like you're down what was it? it I think it was 7 to 2 at that point or 6 to 2. Like at that point you don't as as 
amazing as the Blue Jays offense can be and has been in some situations, and we saw it yesterday, you don't expect the offense to come back in a game like that. At some point, you just have to say, we're eating our losses. We're sending out you know, this guy that we're probably going to send down to the minors in two or three days. We're going to have him eat some innings, get to the back end of our bullpen, get through this game, have the off day tomorrow, and then we can get back into it on Tuesday. When you're down by five runs, that's a mentality you have to have, I think. The point that I could disagree with Charlie Montoyo on is bringing in Patrick Murphy. Because Injun Ryu leaves the game when it's a 4-2 ball game. And I believe there was already two outs at that point in that inning. So you're bringing in this guy with guys on base in a two-run ball game. And it's not your best reliever, obviously. It's the fourth inning. It's never going to be your best reliever. But it's someone who is just called up for the minors. He's not going to have great numbers. He's not going to... You know, in all honesty, he's not going to be great in this situation, even though, in my opinion, even if it is the fourth inning, it's a high leverage situation. Um, He proceeds to give up a couple singles that those runs are charged to Hinjin Ryu, but he let them score. And ideally in that situation, you don't let them score. So I I think I would have liked to see someone different in that situation. And then again, it goes to the question of who do you bring in? And that's a whole nother problem. And that's where, you know, Charlie Montoya probably gets the benefit of the doubt because there's not a lot of other guys you can go to. Like, you can say Adam Simber, he pitched the day before. You can say, I don't know, Trevor Richards, he also pitched the day before. You can say someone like Brad Hand, he also pitched the day before. And yes, you have an off day the next day, but um, again, I think it's a situation where it's easier to look at hindsight's 2020, but um, I would have liked to see someone else in that situation. Thankfully, it didn't matter. Again, nitpicking, not a big deal there. Um, but I do understand the criticism of that because it's a pivotal moment in the game. If you give up those runs there, nine out of 10 times, you're going to lose just so happened that the Jays didn't lose, but it was a big situation that I would like to see someone better pitching it. Yeah, that's completely fair. And, um, you know, I also had a few other things that I wanted to point out in terms of like a shout out. Um, you know, I thought Bravik Valera had a really good series. I thought it was kind of kept under the radar in terms of that. And he really... Uh, stepped up in some key situations. I mean, we go back to the, it was the Friday game, the first game when the Jays had that nine run fifth inning. We haven't even gotten into that part yet. And that was another electric part of the series. Um, you know, we, we see that pretty much throughout the, ser- or the series. So Brave Valera finishes with five hits, um, a big, yeah. So a game tying RBI double on Friday, looking at it now, he was the one that tied the game. And then of course, in the eighth inning um, of yesterday's game on Sunday, he was the one that first got on base. And also, Reese McGuire, who kept the inning alive um, before George Springer came up to bat. And he was one of the base runners who were on base when Springer hit the home run. We saw that, you know, George Springer and Matt Barnes, longtime teammates in college, longtime friends, giving Reese McGuire some advice, I guess. I'm assuming it's advice. And Reese McGuire keeps the inning alive with the walk. Somebody who pretty much also had a good weekend. And he just kept the inning alive for George Springer. There were two outs, like we mentioned. And that was one of the deciding factors. And a lot of people, you know, I just, it was kind of a quiet moment or something that's kind of kept under the radar. And it was something that was bigger than a lot of people think. So that allowed George Springer to come up to bat. And we, you know, we talked about his homestand. And in his homestand, at 11 games, 44 at-bats, an average of 409, five home runs, 16 RBIs, 12 runs, an OPS of 1,381. And then, of course, a, um, a weighted runs created plus, if people don't um, know too much about the stat, the average of that is 100. 
uh, is yeah. So it's hundred league average, and if it, it was at two sixty, so that's just you know kind of gives you an indication of how much better or you know how great he really was. That's almost what one hundred and sixty over the league average in eleven games. So that's a lot of things that I wanted to point out. But yeah, even quickly on Friday, that nine run fifth inning was another crazy, crazy uh, finish to that game. So a lot of breakout moments for the Jays this weekend in terms of a lot of memorable moments. Uh, they they came up clutch, and like we mentioned, we haven't seen this a lot this year later on in games or even in the middle of a game like that. So it was something very cool to see. And again, you're in front of your home crowd at Rogers Center, so that kind of puts the, I guess, the cherry on top in terms of what we saw this weekend. So this was this was a fun weekend. This was a fun homestand. And it's only going to get better from here. You're going, or hopefully it does. You're going on a Western road trip. Now you come back, you're going to have another long homestand when you come back from the, the West Coast and when you come back from Washington from that two, that short two-game series. Uh, so one game at a time, and you know perhaps the Jays are even in a wildcard spot the next time they come back for their homestand on August 20th. So we'll see what happens over the next 10 days. But these last 10 days in, uh, at Rogers Center were a pretty special moment. Lots of memorable highlights going back from that game one against Kansas City. Uh, to this weekend against the the Red Sox. The one inning I missed this weekend of all the games, the four games, was the fifth inning of Friday's game. Because I was at work. I can have the game up at work. I was watching it. I had to shut it off to do something else for a few minutes. I come back and it is nine to two. The one time I have to leave during this entire weekend is that inning, but um, I, I'm just happy it what happened. What's your reaction? The, when I, well, I had the notifications on my phone, so I okay. So you knew you I knew okay, what was knew happening. Yeah. Like I, I think yeah. the last play I saw before I had to shut the game off was Bo Bichette's single. Um, okay. So I saw that, and yeah. I think that tied the game. Right? It was two two at that, or it took the lead. I think the Jays took the lead three yeah. two. So I shut it off. I was pretty happy after that, but then I next time I look at my phone, it's five to two, and then. Seven to two, and then nine to two, and I was just like, "What's happening? Like, how is this happening?" Um, and I knew the Red Sox pitching sucked, but um, so far until that point in that game, it had worked out for the Red Sox. So I don't know. I was pretty pretty flabbergasted. Now, let's talk about the Red Sox because um, this is a new emotion for me because it doesn't come along very often. So enjoy it while it lasts. But I feel bad for Red Sox fans right now, like. They were ten and a half games up on the Blue Jays. Ten and a half games up two weeks ago. In the matter of two weeks, I think they've gone, what's the stat? Two and ten or uh two and eight or something like that. They are now three games up on the Blue Jays. They're now in the second wild card spot. Their pitching has totally collapsed. Their hitting has gone fishing. They're in free fall right now. And I as much as you love to see it, like I am enjoying watching the Red Sox collapse. I am feeling some sense of remorse for Red Sox fans for the first time in my life. I've never felt this before, but you got to feel at least some pity for the horrible team that they are watching right now. As much as it's kind of awesome to see. I'm just saying, I don't know um, if you're on this as well, but a lot of people don't think the Red Sox are as good as we think. Um, I don't know where you stand on that. I don't know if you agree with that or not. They've had a great season. We know they have. But, you know, we we the one thing that I look at as well, they had the easiest schedule in baseball. But ever since, yeah, the All-Star break, they have fallen apart. 
And I don't know if Kyle Schwarber is going to be a savior for this. So, And he's not even close to being healthy because we keep talking about, or they keep talking about how he's kind of going to be that massive boost to the lineup when he gets healthy from his hamstring injury. And I think he just actually had a setback. So it just nothing is going good uh, for the Red Sox. Matt Barnes, that all-star closer, Matt Barnes, was absolutely owned by the Jays this weekend. Um, you know, the Jays take him out yesterday. They took him out a, another time earlier on in the series. And they almost, and for, Vladdy almost got a, oh, I think it would have been a walk-off if he had gotten just a few more feet on that ball in uh, yeah. the uh, the nightcap of the doubleheader. So, I mean, talk about a horrible series for Matt Barnes. It, it was horrible. Yeah, you're right. He was that close. I remember, I, now I remember exactly what you're talking about in terms of Guerrero just missed out on that. And I believe Barnes even thought it was gone. I remember yeah. they showed right before commercial break his reaction to the fly ball. And he um, let you, he, he looked a little nervous. So uh, that that was that. Um, yeah, the, the Red Sox are falling apart. Who knows if they're going to even... I mean, I don't know if they're. it's safe to say they're even going to make the playoffs now. I mean, when you think about it now, this thing's turning into a... I guess a four-team race. Of course, the Mariners are still lurking, so you can't exactly rule them out. So that's where you keep that fifth team. But you know, you have Oakland, who is most likely going to be one of those wildcard teams, unless something drastically happens to them as well. But they they aren't plummeting like the Red Sox are. You have the Yankees, who have only gone up, and then you have the Blue Jays. And you know, a lot of people going are pretty much what I've seen in terms of what who they think these final teams are going to be. Is that it's going to be a at the end a finally or a final three team race between the A's, the Jays, and the Yankees? Um, that's what a lot of people are thinking. I mean, you don't want to completely rule out the Red Sox, but it just it's been tough for them. Like it, it has been bad. I mean, you know, you when you look at it, like really bad. It, the, the rotations, everything, like you mentioned, has plummeted, and it's just been something that they haven't dealt with all year. They come out in April. They bec- they they were one of the hottest teams in baseball. They were leading, I think, the division by a few games right off right off the top in April. I know it's April, so not a lot of people pretty much paid attention to it. But you know, the Red Sox were supposed to come in as a mediocre team as well. Um, you know, a lot of people, some thought that they would be finishing. They would be the fourth place team, the third place team. Um, pretty much flip flopping with the Jays in terms of predictions. But um, you know, I'm just saying too, like. I don't want to call them fraudulent. Maybe that is the word you use, but a lot of people don't think they're as good as their record shows. And oh, I guess over these last couple of weeks, I think it's kind of, you know, the record or the way they've played is kind of reflecting of how people truly thought of this team. So who knows how that, who, how true that is. Like we, we know now that the Jays are for sure done with them this year. So they have, I think they have a, a series against the Rays coming up as well, the Red Sox. So that'll be another crucial series for them. And, um, I mean, if they also lose to the, the, the Rays or at least lose the series, it's definitely going to be panic button in Boston. So, you know, you, you, you love to see it in a way, but yeah, I mean, as a, you know, if, if you want to kind of flip the cards and put this on from a Jays perspective, if this was happening, you know, I would feel bad too, because knowing the pain of how much or how much frustration there is, it's definitely not a pleasant time to be a Red Sox fan. And knowing that the Jays and the Yankees are pretty much on their tail now in terms of playing good, completely going the opposite way. Um, you know, Jays and Yankees are both eight and two in their last 10. Um, they're right behind them. And sooner rather than later, if this keeps up, they're going to pretty much blow right by Boston. And then it's going to become a three-team race or three-team race, and then, of course, you have to add Oakland in that mix as well. So, you know, you love to see it, but yes, it, it is kind of, um, you do feel bad a little bit for Red Sox fans, but, 
you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people don't believe that this team is as good as the record shows. And I'm not saying I completely agree with it. I'm just saying from what I from what people are saying, and I'm sure everyone kind of knows that, that a lot of people think this is a fraudulent team. Um, you know, it's it's tough to say. There's a lot of factors that come into play, but they've had a good season so far. So that's why I don't want to kind of take everything away from them because they are 65 and 49. But yeah, over the last 10 games, two and eight, and the run differential is only at plus 33 now. And when you look at the Jays' run differential, this is the same story pretty much since April. The Jays' run differential is 123, plus 123. So it's not even close with the run differential. But um, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious to see how this kind of plays out for the Red Sox because I, you know, if this continues, like it can't get much worse than this. And who knows how long this keeps up for. But like, yeah, like this series with the Rays is going to be definitely a big one for them. And if it does keep up, you know, we could be talking, like I mentioned too, at the end of this Angel series, the Jays could be easily a game behind them um, because right now, or even past them, because right now they're only three games back of them. So it's, it is kind of going to be interesting to see how this kind of plays out and kind of how it finishes with the Red Sox here as we head into the middle of August. Yeah, and kudos to, uh, I think it's Josh Goldberg of Sportsnet. He's been on this the whole year, calling them frauds. He's never thought that they were actually as good as they were, and clearly it's paying off now. Um, Yeah, you look at the postseason odds. um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but over the last 30 days, the odds of the Blue Jays making the postseason has increased 31.9%. According to baseball reference, the odds of the Red Sox making the postseason is dropped 37.9%. 37.9%. They're officially now, as things stand, they have a 56.4% chance of making the postseason. So you look at, like, before this week, they were at, like, 85% chance of making the postseason. And now they're at basically 50%, and they're still in free fall. I mean, it is rough, and um, I mentioned the Blue Jays now in second place in the AL East in terms of postseason odds. It's looking good for the Jays. They're at 62.4%, second in the AL East. Red Sox, like I said, 56.4%. The Yankees, who are actually, I I think a lot of fans are really concerned about right now, they're at 22% chance to make the postseason. So if that's any indication of the odds of the, the chances of the Blue Jays making the postseason, that's pretty good. So you got to be pretty happy with that. Um, but yeah, it is tough for the Red Sox. And you mentioned Kyle Schwarber. I know he's supposed to be a savior when he gets back and is healthy. But Chris Sale is another guy they're really looking forward to in Boston. Um, he's supposed to be making his next start in the majors. He finished up his rehab assignment. He's looked good in his rehab assignments. So maybe he comes back and is healthy for them and you know shoves down the line and puts up great numbers. But who knows? I mean, that rotation is scary bad. It is scary how bad that rotation is. So we will see. It's fun to watch. You enjoy seeing it. Um, it doesn't happen often. Boston fields a lot of good teams over the years, so you enjoy it when it happens. But we will see with what happens with that. Speaking of injuries and guys rehabbing, um, Bo Bichette is someone who is now officially day-to-day. He had two left shin contusions. We saw him take a foul ball off his left shin in, I think it was game one, may have been game two of the doubleheader. Um, he sat Sunday. Um, who knows whether he's back on Tuesday. If he you know sits Sunday, that's two days off, including the off day on Monday. So maybe we see him in one of the games of the doubleheader on Tuesday. Maybe he gets that day off just for an extra day of rest and comes back Wednesday. Um, a lot of people were freaked out by this injury. I think that's a huge overreaction. I think this is just something like it's not... 
you know, if it was a soft tissue injury, if it was he strained his calf, he strained a muscle in his arm, like I would be concerned about that. But because it's, you know, it's just the wear and tear of a season. It's 162 games. He'd prior to Sunday's game, he had played all of the Blue Jays 109 games so far this season. So it's just a wear and tear of a season. I'm not worried at all. I don't know why people are freaked out. Like, yes, you want him to play every day, but it happens. There's a reason no one in baseball nowadays plays every game of the season. So I am not worried at all. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I'm pretty laid back about this one. Yeah, I think we kind of expected this pretty much of how he was reacting in that doubleheader. He took a couple um, foul balls off the shin, like you said. And, it, you know, this is also the first time he's experiencing a 162-game grind because he was called up in the summer of 2019. 2020 was only 60 games. This is his first time, and including Vladimir Guerrero Jr., going through a full season of 162 games. And it is the wear and tear because when you look at it, it just seems like it's something that's an nagging injury. And if it's a foul ball in April compared to August, you probably have a different scenario where he's still playing. But it's, you know, I see it as the maintenance day. I think a lot of people are freaked out just because of the day-to-day thing because we all know what a day-to-day thing means as, as a Jays player. But more importantly, I think it reflects more of a pitcher when you're day-to-day and all of a sudden you're on the injured list the next day. So hopefully... By the time anyone's listening to this, this is not outdated and he's not on the injured list. But, you know, but all signs point to this being just a few days of rest. Like this is a and it's not like it's an injury where we can guess. Um, I think it was pretty clear of what was going on in terms of his shin. Like we all saw this um, when he got I think it was the second foul ball he took. He pretty much limped out of the, the batter's box for almost a minute, a minute and a half just hopping on his foot or hopping on his leg, and just trying to get the feeling back into it. So that's why I don't take too much out of it. And it was pretty clear-cut on the TV what it was. So if it's just a maintenance day where he needs a day off, or like you said, he gets maybe a game off in the doubleheader, or he DHs one game, or plays both, it, it you know, either way, I think we're fine with this. Yes, it's it definitely, hopefully this is something that's short-term, because as bad as very important to the lineup. But yeah, it's just, you know, you want to keep him healthy, and, you know, you'd rather do this now and you'd rather kind of monitor it now rather than monitoring it even later on in the season when these games become even more important for uh, the pennant race. So that's why um, I'm not too shocked about this at all. But, yeah, I think it's just the day-to-day thing where people were kind of worried of, you know, how day-to-day always turns into an injury list. And, but, you know, it's different for a position player than a uh, pitcher, you know, and that's how I'm seeing it. So that's why I'm not too worried about it. But... Um, yeah, and we kind of expected it too, because we saw him limping around when the lineup card came out for the Sunday game. I don't think a lot of people were surprised. I know I wasn't, and I'm sure based on what you said too, Mark, I don't think you were. So I know a lot of other people were, but yeah, definitely a little bit of an overreaction. Uh, I can agree with you there. And, you know, if this thing does turn into maybe he's sitting out more than one or two consecutive games, then I'll kind of hop on board and be a little bit concerned, but it just sounds like it's a few it's a couple bruises and he's going to be fine in a couple days. And the Jays have an off day today as well. So you have to imagine um, that two days of rest is going to help him. And even yesterday in yesterday's game, I think he was available to pitch hit. And I remember they were showing him the dugout getting ready. So, you know, how bad could it really be if he was willing to come off the bench at a certain point of the game and hit? Because usually when people are unavailable or truly injured, they're not even close to grabbing a bat or close to warming up, even wearing a uniform. So that's why when you look at it yesterday, what we saw yesterday, he was wearing all of that. He had his bat in his hand and everything. So this seems very, very, like we use the word precautionary. This seems like extra 
precautionary. It just seems like a well-needed day off. And we saw Vladimir Guerrero Jr. get his first day off of the season as well early on in the homestand. So maybe this is something that the Jays just did. And that's why it's not concerning whatsoever for me. I mean, he misses one game, yes. Uh, he's played in every game thus far. And, you know, you know, I have a, a better time believing that he's going to play in the rest of the games going forward than, you know, missing two or three consecutive games um, compared to that. So that's why I'm not worried whatsoever. And definitely, I agree with you, definitely a little bit of an overreaction uh, from certain people. I think we should take a moment to appreciate, like, all the crap that we've given the Blue Jays for how many guys got <laughs> injured early in the season. You know, knock on wood, I hope I'm not jinxing it, but their stars have stayed healthy. Like that... Minus yeah, Springer. Yeah, minus Springer, of course. That was a pretty big uh, screw-up by the Blue Jays coaching staff, I think. But you look at Vladimir Guerrero <laughs> Jr. played every single game except one. Now Bo Bichette played every single game except one. Um, having these two guys, and plus Marcus Simeon, hasn't had a day off this season... Having these guys on the field every day, um, the Blue Jays deserve a whole lot of credit for that, and we got to give them credit for that. Um, another injury on the Blue Jays staff, um, Ryan Brucky, not injured, but heading down to AAA. Uh, he's got to figure things out. He hasn't been himself since he came back from the injured list. I'm fine with this. Uh, I think it gives him time to kind of reassess things, look at what he's doing, look at it, you know, how he's maybe gotten away from what he's normally doing. Um, and then Tim Meza headed to the 10 day injured list, um, with, I can pull out the exact injury here, but, uh, left elbow inflammation. And that sounds really scary on the face of it. Apparently the blue Jays aren't too worried. They just, you know, wanted, they didn't even, weren't even thinking of placing him on the 10 day IL, but then they were thinking, okay, we give him two or three days off. You know, maybe it's good to give him a couple extra days besides that. And at that point, might as well just get an extra roster spot for the the guy, the days that he's going to be taking off. Um, so two moves out of the bullpen that obviously, you know, it hurts you a little bit. You know, maybe Tim Mesa is the guy who comes in in that fourth inning of yesterday's game instead of someone like Patrick Murphy. Um, but then again, you know, it's small things. It's things on the margins that... Ultimately, bottom line, they probably aren't going to hurt the Blue Jays too much, especially Ryan Brocky moving down. He hasn't been himself, so he's got to figure himself out. That's something that's going to help the Blue Jays in the long run. Again, very minor thing, not concerned. If the Blue Jays were losing, this would be another drop in the bucket in the negative side of things, but thankfully the Blue Jays are winning. This is just a drop in the bucket. Again, I don't think it really matters that much. Um, it's unfortunate to see, but it's, it's life with a major league team. Yeah, the I think the Tim Mesa thing concerns me a bit, just a little bit, because of the Tommy John factor. He was out all the last year with Tommy John. That's the one part where I'm not going to overreact now because you know the Jays aren't overly concerned. It'll see, you know, it also depend on how quickly he's back um, from that injured stint, or maybe he, if he only just needs ten days. That part, you know, I'm going to keep at the back of my head a little bit. I'm not going to overreact or kind of freak out because of that. You know, they're kind of, I guess, addressing it now. You know, if they figured if they shut him down for 10 days, uh, it might help a little bit with the inflammation. But yeah, and even with Ryan Barucki, um, yeah, it is safe to say that he just hasn't been, um, you know, himself this year. He's got an ERA above five now. I believe that's what it is, 5-12. And that's in 20 games this year. So compared to what we've seen in previous years, that's not like what we've seen from him. I mean, his ERA in his rookie season in 2018 was 387. Going back to last year, it was 270. Um, it's just, and even pretty much everything 
uh, from his numbers and his, his advanced metrics are kind of skyrocketed this year in terms of, you know, giving up home runs, walking people, or even striking out people. He's not striking out nearly as many people as he did last year. And um, his hard, his ground ball percentage is at 59.2 compared to 35% last year. So he's giving up a lot of uh, pretty much balls in play as well. And a lot of, uh, pretty much a lot of everything compared to what we've seen from him. So, you know, he is a heavy, you know, went on, he is a pretty much a reliable piece in this bullpen. The fact that he's a lefty makes it very important. And that's why Tim Meza as well, who has kind of turned around, you know, he had a little bit of a rough start to the season. I believe that's what it was. But all of a sudden he's turned his season around. He's become one of the, the heavy or pretty much a reliable pitcher out of the bullpen for the Jays, especially. And he's also a lefty an ERA of 375 right now in 44 games. Um, he's been somebody that the Jays heavily rely on. So that's why, you know, you, you look at it and you hope that it's just something minor because it is elbow inflammation. He did have Tommy John last year and, you know, he, he's got to come back as soon as possible if when healthy to help this team out uh, through the, through the rest of the way. So, you know, it's just kind of, you know, it, it kind of shocked us a little bit. Like we didn't really expect anything. He didn't really go, you know, like just mention anything. It just kind of suddenly happened. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Jays came out and said, yeah, he's been dealing with this for about 10 days or so, and we're going to shut him down for 10 days and hope he's back right away. So, you know, a little, just a little, a uh, few things of concern for there. And yeah, for Barucki, you know, who knows how long he needs to spend down in AAA Buffalo, but um, whatever's going to fix his stuff and whatever's going to get him to figure it out, because ever since he has come back from that injury list, and I do remember um, he also, going back to that Mets series, he gave up that big home run to Pete Alonso in one of the games. I believe it was a pretty crucial part of the game as well. So that's one part where you remember. And then, of course, uh, going back to the game a couple of days ago, he gave up a home run then as well. And that I think that was pretty much it in terms of the Jays, you know, keeping him at the big league level for or keeping him at the big league level and sending him down for a little bit. So we'll see how long it takes Baraki to figure things out. Definitely going to monitor that of how he performs uh, in Buffalo. And for Tim Aza, you hope he's back right after those 10 days or else it's definitely going to be a little bit more of a, um, a concern going down the stretch. Yep. Um, anything else to add uh, or any predictions for this series against the Angels before we wrap it up? Yeah. Okay. So for this Angel series, um, you know, for, I completely forgot to going back to how the game was rained out back in Dunedin a, or at the beginning of the season. So it is kind of weird to see how uh, the Jays technically have a home game um, at Angel Stadium. So it's a crucial four game series. Shohei Otani will be pitching against this team. I believe it's in game four. So, you know, I don't want to, I, I want to give Ho- Shohei Otani the respect. And, you know, I, I do think they lose to Otani. I mean, it would be cool if they lit up Otani. And then we're going to see that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Otani matchup, something that we didn't see back in Dunedin back at the start of the season. But it's a four game series again. I have to ride the, the coattail. And what I did last time, I say the Jays take three out of four uh, in Anaheim. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I think you're right. I think they lose the game with Shohei pitching, but I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will take Shohei Otani deep. Just because that would be so amazing to see. I want to see that. And then maybe Especially for the MVP race. Yeah. That'd be cool. Maybe, you know, heaven forbid this happening, but the Blue Jays getting a blowout, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. pitches. Shohei Otani takes Vladimir Guerrero Jr. deep. <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, that's never going to happen. Obviously they're never going to have <laughs> Vladdy as a position player pitching, but that'd be so funny. Anyways. Yeah. I think Vladdy's going to take Shohei deep. Uh, but I think the blue Jays will take three or four 
And then we're rolling, heading into the weekend series. I think we're in Seattle after that. Um, so, you know, who knows? Who knows? Lots of fun to watch. Um, okay, thank you to everyone who listened or watched this episode of Section 138. As always, you can watch episodes on our YouTube account. Um, you can follow everything we're doing on social media at Section 138 Pod. We're on Instagram and Twitter. You can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, which really just helps let other people know about what we're doing here if you enjoy our podcast helps other people find our podcast and um, helps bump up the ratings a bit so thank you to everyone who's already done that and then lastly you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com slash section 138 pod all right one hell of a weekend for the blue jays we will catch you after this series against the Indians.